Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. You know, we have great pastors. Pastor Dale, Pastor Jana, Pastor Kelly, Pastor Bianca. I mean, we have great people. And when uh, the decision was made for him to go to Panama, quite a bit of our staff had to go too. And so, uh, and so Dale came to me just before they were to leave, and he said, you know, he said, uh, I'm going to be gone. Jane is going to be gone. Bianca's going to be gone. We can't have Callie do both the worship and the preaching. Jim, you're the only one left. <laughs> and he said, he said, you think you can do this? And I said, yeah, I think I can do this. Then he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, don't screw this up. (laughs) So he's got a lot of confidence in me. He's got a lot of confidence. So I'm just gonna give you a little bit of my testimony and and anything I say today is, I just want you to know that it comes from a a good heart. And uh, And I'm not saying, I'm mentioning, I might mention different things that might some people might may, maybe take offense to, I don't know, but um, is the first slide up there? We're going to talk about the spirit of the Antichrist, all right? Dum-dum-dum. I, I wanted to have, you know, foreboding music. Dum-dum-dum. But I'm going to give you a little bit of my testimony first before we start so you can see where I come from. I was raised Catholic from the time I was born, baptized as an infant, I'm sure, Went through the communion at the, I think, I don't know, second grade or first grade. And then you go through confirmation all the way through until I was 19. I was raised Catholic. And uh, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, I had some Christian friends, some born-again Christian friends who, who presented the gospel to me, who presented the gospel to me many, many times. And then finally, finally when I became a Christian at 19, I was just kind of astounded. I was kind of that I had never heard the gospel presented to me, right? Because the Catholic tradition is the Catholic tradition, and they just go through their steps, and they just basically, you know, as long as you do what what you're supposed to do, you're going to go to heaven, I guess. But I, I, I I was just, like, internally mortified that I had gone to a church for 19 years and never heard or knew that I was supposed to be saved. And so, from that point on, my quest has always been to find a church, or churches, or whatever, that represented what you find in the New Testament, right? I just wanted it stripped down, down to just the basics. And the first fellowship we were at in Bemidji was just that way. It was just a small group of people, probably 20 to 30 people. We met in a, a small little church, like it was almost like a living room kind of thing. And we just had elders and deacons. And I was happy. I was so happy because after, after I got saved, I went to the Methodist church. And I said, oh, I don't think so. I went to a Lutheran church. I thought, this looks kind of like the same as the Catholic church. I went to all these different churches, and they thought, these all look kind of like they're not what they're not supposed to be. And so, uh, and so I had this, I, like I said, I had this profound thing that was put in me to to appreciate the Word of God, to appreciate the very Word of God, and to not to add and not to subtract, not to go beyond this or, or add things or whatever. 
And so that's where I'm coming to you from today. And so I'm going to read from 2 John. I'm going to read the whole, you can put the next slide up. I'm going to read the whole thing from 2 John, verse 4 to verse 11. And that's going to be our text for today. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. Now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new one, new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginnings, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourself so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Riley, you have a question for me? The question was, are, are you going to tell us who the Antichrist is? Thank you, Riley. That was a very profound question. But no, I'm not. Because Pastor Dale told me not to say who the Antichrist was. He wants to do that next week when he talks about Revelation. So next week, from what I understand, he's going to go through Revelation. He's going to tell us exactly who that is. Well, thank you, Riley. But we're not going to talk about big A Antichrist. You know, big A Antichrist doesn't exist in the Bible anywhere. It's always the little A, and that's what John talks about. John talks about the little A, little A Antichrist. I think we've found our, you know, tradition or whatever happens over the years, we've, uh, we've created this thing called the big A Antichrist because in, the, in, the, in Revelation there are people in there or, or uh, characters in there that would typify this big A. But John just talks about the little A, right? And he talks about them, if you look in the verse, it's in, in the passage we just read, it talks about that they're with us. Such a one, it says, that for many deceivers have gone out into the world, verse 7, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. So here's some important dates to recall as we look back through time, at a time when the letters were written and that kind of thing. So we had Jesus' death and resurrection, which was about 30 A.D., you had the destruction of the temple, right, at 70 A.D. That was a big deal. And then somewhere in there, in that time frame, all the letters were being written and passed around from community to community. So there was no Bibles. There was only letters. There was only evangelists and teachers that went from town to town with these letters, right? So think about the, uh, think how disadvantaged they were, right? Unless someone came to them with a letter that wasn't the one that was sent to them, like let's say Corinthians or Romans or Thessalonians, or anything like that, they didn't have any idea of what these other letters said or what they were. So no one had a complete Bible until years later. Remember, so then, even then, even then, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, verse 7, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, and such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. And so what they had back then was people... In this case in particular, people are saying that Jesus Christ really didn't come in the flesh like you and I. He came as a spirit. He came as a, some other kind of entity. He really wasn't here. It's already the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The fact that he lived on this earth and was with us 
was not being presented to people, right? There was people that were thinking other things, and they were going around and deceiving other people. Could you show the next slide, please? You know, I did have some uh, objects things that I needed. Oh, thank you, James. James. It's amazing what you can find when they don't clean the church on a regular basis. This rock was just sitting under that chair. This rock, can you believe that? Probably wasn't able to pick up by our vacuum cleaners. So it didn't take long after Christ's resurrection, right? And the letters are being written, and all the letters are written for, for, uh, for people to distort the truth. And so I look, at, I look at, when I look at the history of the church and the things like that, and the reason why I put this up there, I look at the church as big rocks were dropped in the history of man. And so the first big rock that was dropped was what? The Jesus Christ, right? Oh, my goodness. Jesus Christ came and he lived on this earth. That was the big rock. Then all those letters were written and all those things were brought together at some point in time when they were the Bible. And then we had distortions that took place, right? Distortions that took place. And so if you look at the center, that's when probably when I think the truth was the purest, right? As close to the rock drop as possible, that's when people understood everything. Because when people wrote these letters, they understood what they were writing. They weren't just writing you know, and like, a, like an auto pen, you know, God just took control of my hand and I wrote these things. They wrote these things, they understood these things, right? They understood these truths. And so the further you move out, the distortions begin, right? The ripples become less, less, uh, and they're not as tight, and they become less and less and less and less. And pretty soon as you get to the end, it's just a small little disturbance that sits way out in time. Then I think, this is again my opinion, then I think the second rock was dropped. I'll drop it a little lower. Right? And the second rock I think that was dropped was the Reformation that took place. With all the things that were taking place in the Catholic Church and all the different things that were taken there, a second rock was dropped, and it came in the form of Martin Luther, who said, you know what we got to do? we got to get back to what the Bible teaches. we got to get back to this. All this other stuff is just encumbering us with uh, things that we don't need. So could you go to the next slide? And I did have another object. I can't remember where it is, though. You have what I'm looking for. This is amazing. You know, God does provide. That's a tree right there. And in my house, I, at my house, I have trees and I have a fence that goes around my yard. And, and this tool is really handy. This tool is really handy because I can go out, especially along my fence line. I get those trees that grow up right on the fence line. And if you just let them be, you can't let them be because eventually they're going to just get big and they're going to wreck your fence, right? And the same thing like for a tree like this. I have a tree like that in my backyard that looks just like that. And so then I take this and I go out there, and this is the best part of the sermon right now for most men. <laughs> just that sound. Just that sound. It's just amazing, isn't it? So I take this out there and I cut, I cut the trees off from around my fence line. I go down below the dirt, you know, down below. And then I go to this tree and I cut all the, what are these things called? Those branches that are growing straight up. What are they called? Suckers, right? What's the purpose of a sucker on a tree? Nothing. Nothing, right? There's no purpose to a sucker on a tree, and that's why you trim them off. Just wait a second. I 
just got to set this down carefully. There's no purpose for a sucker on a tree. Absolutely none. What's it do to it? What's it do to a tree? What's it taking from the tree? Taking strength. It's taking stuff. It doesn't produce any fruit. You ever seen a sucker produce fruit? No. All it does is take nutrients and the things that the other parts of the tree need and just takes them away. And, 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 it, and so the tree is at a disadvantage. And so what do I do? I take my sawzall or my DeWalt or whatever. I take it out there and I cut everything apart. And it's just a great afternoon. So I just can go through and cut all those things off and get the tree backing to what it should look like. Like I said before, this tree represents our Christian faith, right? You can think of it corporately, and also you can think about it uh, personally, right? Personally, represents our Christian faith. How many things have we let be added to our Christ Christian faith that aren't producing anything. And I'm not talking about works and things like that. I'm talking about strange doctrines, strange things that we allow into our, you know, into our, our, our thought system. How often do we do that kind of thing? You know, we are in the, uh, we are in the, I, I don't want to say we are in the, uh, uh, I want to say this nicely. In the charismatic circles that we find ourselves in, because we are a Pentecostal church, there's a lot of strange things that are in there, right? And being a very conservative person, and I am a pretty conservative person when it comes to things that I observe and things that I read, right? I, 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 uh, I have this look that I get, and could you go to the next slide? It's the raised eyebrow. It's the raised eyebrow. And that's, that's just an emoji, but one of the most famous raised eyebrows is the next guy that I'm going to show on the screen. <laughs> who is that? The Rock. Everybody knows who The Rock is. And if you ever watched, I grew up with wrestling my whole life, from Vern Gagne all the way up. And so The Rock would come on there and he'd do that raised eyebrow thing, you know. And I just would think, you know, I, I always thought he was pretty cool. But anyways... I have, I raise my eyebrows, right? I raise my eyebrows when I hear things. And we should too, right? Because, like it says in verse 9, it says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. So I, I'm, I'm a very skeptical person. Uh, I'm hope, I'm hopefully I'm healthily, healthily skeptical and not like bitter, angry skeptical. But I look at stuff and I just, sometimes I raise my eyebrow. And I go, you know, is that valid? Is that a valid teaching? Is that a valid way we should go as a church? Is that a valid way I should go as a person? And sometimes I say no. I say no, it's not. So we go to the next slide, please. So what are we to do? You know, when it talks in here about um, calling people the Antichrist and not inviting him into your house, we don't really call anybody Antichrist anymore. I don't know if they ever did. They called someone and just said, hey, you're an Antichrist. But what do we have today? What's the common word that's used? You're a heretic, right? You're a heretic. And it comes out so quickly and so freely all the time. You're a heretic, right? And I read all those sites. Not all of them. I can't read all of them. 
but I read a lot of those sites, right? I read sites that are for things I'm for. I read sites that are against what I'm for. I read sites that show me other ways to look at things so I understand what's going on out there. And sometimes, and you know, right away, it's just like if you're a, 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 like in the political arena we have today, right? Sometimes what they'll say, I mean, right away, if you disagree with somebody or something, you're a Nazi, right? That's just the go-to thing they go to right away. If you just say a little bit something here, then you're a Nazi, okay? But so that then, if, then if you're just a little bit different, you know, in the Christian circles, you're a heretic right away. And so I struggled with, I struggled with what do we do next? What do you do as a person? What do we do with all these voices? Now, I used to belong to the Elijah list. I used to belong to uh, all these different, like I said, I belong to a lot of different things. And I get all this stuff in. And what do you do with all this stuff? Because sometimes what happens is you just get bitter. You get angry. You get frustrated. You don't understand what or why they're doing the things they're doing. You don't agree with them. And so I have an elder in Bemidji who, uh, who helped me with this. And he said that, you know, we're not in the age of the prophets anymore, the big, big P prophets. We're in the age of the apostles, right? The apostle letters and the apostolic letters. And, you know, sometimes when people prophesy whatever they say and do, they prophesy in part, right? And so he says, you just pick the part that you agree with. You don't agree with any of it, don't take any of it in. But if you agree with some parts, take those parts in. But just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that it's been like Martin Luther's Reformation was in 1500, right? I think roughly 1500. And I think that it's been 1,000 years, kind of almost. No, not quite 1,000 years. But I don't see anything in the future that would cause us to go back like one institution, because this was against the Catholic Church, which was the Christian representation on the planet. But I don't see anything out there right now that would take us back to this place. No, we're not, in, we're not part of any large group that's just going to have this, this uh, reformation that's going to take place. So the reformation has to take place in our own hearts. Our own hearts. We have to be diligent in our own hearts. So what we do, right? We need to establish parameters. I establish parameters. I just don't. I mean, I explore I explore the fringes of Christianity. I do. I go out there, I explore, right? I explore and look. And it's just to inform myself so I can understand deeper the truths that I'm trying to hold to. But I explore and see what they have to say. So I use the same thing as you, but I do have parameters, right? So I just want to show you this slide, and I don't want anybody to get too upset. I don't know if you get upset at all. So anyways... I think the Word of God is the most important thing that we have. The most important thing that we have, right? If you go back to the, jo- the letters that were sent out by the, uh, the apostles, it was the most important thing they had was this piece of paper in their hand that had these writings on them that they could understand and, and, and expand and, and maybe uh, solidify their, their, what they understood as far as who Jesus Christ was, what the Christian faith was, right? And so the reason why I put this up there and, and this has kind of been a renaissance in my own life in the last, I would say, four to five years, is the fact that I became um, more aware of the fact that I should pay attention to what was written and how it was written and when it was written and why it was written and where it was written, right? And so I became, and the reason why I put this up there is because if we, we want to know, know as best as we can 
what was written. We stay on the, this side for our understanding what the Bible has to say. We stay on this side, all right? The, uh, your left, your left side. If we want to get as far away as possible from what was the original intent, we go on the right side, all right? Now, you may disagree with me on this, but anytime there's a paraphrase or anything like that, it expands and it moves us away. And I remember reading an article, like I said, when I, when I look at this stuff, I just don't take things in and accept it, right? And you know, I think that's what a lot of us, a lot of, we do that. We just find it in a Christian bookstore, it must be good, you know, we just take it in, right? But some of it isn't. And so one time, one time I read, I read an article, because I had never, was, I had never used the Message Bible, all right? So I read an article, this guy, right? and this guy was one of these guys that went through and said, you know, we should take a look at this. And he, did, he didn't just write opinion, right? He said, here's this portion of Scripture. Here's this portion of Scripture. This is written probably in one of the ones on the left, right? He was probably a, either he was probably a King James or NSV guy or NSAB. Here it is. Here's what this says, and this is what the intent is. Now read it over here. Read the exact same translation in the message. What do you see? You know what? They weren't the same. It wasn't the same. Not that they had to be word for word the same, but the intent and thought and the conclusion you drew at the end were not the same. And so to me, that just strikes my heart that we shouldn't be messing around like that. There's even another Bible that's not even mentioned in there. It starts with a P that's even further, further out that side. They expanded the Bible so much that they think that, and the author thinks that he has another book that he's going to add to the Bible. And that just strikes me to the heart. Strikes me to the heart. Because the most important thing we have, the most important thing that's going that, to keep us from deceptive thinking, deceptive doctrine, is the Word of God. Is the Word of God. Nothing else. Even what I say is not going to keep you from that. Because I could stray. You know, I'm just a human being. I could go down a bad path and be down someplace. But the word of God is the most important thing that we've got. And so in the last two or three years, I have, uh, I used to, I used to uh, not like theologians because there was a thing about, you know, if you went to the seminary or cemetery, or seminary, it was like going to the cemetery, right? You know, that's what they used to always say. And so you kind of grew up with this anti-intellectual thought about these people. And then I, I, and I, 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 and I started reading some things, and not that I agree with everything, but people that were diligently trying to go through and parse the Word of God into deeper understanding for us, right? Because even though we've had like the King James Bible since 1611, right, there have been other discoveries that have been made about the documents, about the different things, right, that that cause us to change some of the things in the way we think or the what's written in the scripture. And that's not a bad thing. But these academic uh, papers on these different things really opened my eyes to a lot of different things. It illuminated the scripture even more than having someone paraphrase it and add their own. See, that's, what the, that's the problem I have. They add their own. They're adding their own thoughts. They're adding their own prejudices. They're adding their own things into it. And so from my point of view, if I was, if, if, and I hope I didn't offend anybody, because I know a lot of people like to read some of these Bibles. 
But I would, I would, I, I would hope that we return back and have, be diligent about the Word of God. Be diligent, right? Because there are going to be people that are going to come and twist the words. What happened, to the, what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? Right? What happened? The serpent just twisted that word, right? You know, just twisted that word. And the thing is, is that what I'm always amazed at is that we have the word of God. We got the whole thing. And, and that just amazes me to no end. So, you know, what are we supposed to do? So like I told you, like even when I read, if I read a book, like I read books, you know, everybody read books, or some of us do, what I do is I go out and I research the author, right? Who does this person, who is this person influenced by? Who is this person, where was this, where was this person educated? Who is he influenced by? Who does he reference in his book? Who does he reference? Who wrote the foreword? Who wrote the little things in the front, all the accolades about how great this book is? And then I find out, I can find out where these people are. And sometimes they're over here. And I don't want to be over here. I want to be here. But sometimes they're over here. And I don't want to be there. And so then I just say, I don't think I'm going to read that book, right? I don't think I'm going to do that. So I research. I look. I think it's important. It says in, uh, in that last part, in verse 10, it says in verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked work. Could you show the next slide, please? That's my fort. When I was a kid, I was, you know, I, I think when you're a kid, you always want a fort, right? So this is my fort. And uh, my fort, what, keeps things out that shouldn't come in, and uh, does it do anything for me? Yeah, it, it just protects me, right? What, what, do you, what do you allow into your fort, right? And so I, I put that up there because we all should have a fort because the spirit of Antichrist has been alive, has been around since, well, probably before Christ, but even after Christ because he wanted to take away and diminish the work of Jesus Christ, right? So it's still active today, both outside the church, and, and inside the church. Inside the church, right? There are wolves inside the church, right? Inside the church that have books that are popular, that people buy and read. It's like, what are you doing, you know? I can't, I can't believe it sometimes. But, you know, I don't want to get into the place, because what usually happens, and this is what happened to me. I'll tell you what happened to me. I got so... Uh, in, involved in thinking who was right and who was wrong. And, and, I, and there, there's a bunch of discernment websites you can go out to, and that's all they have is articles about who's wrong, who's wrong, who's wrong, who's wrong. And I, and I got into that. Who's wrong, who's wrong, who's wrong, who's wrong. And I, and I, and I spent an inordinate amount of energy, and it got me, and it got me angry. Right? I, wasn't a, I wasn't a content Christian person. And part of the reason why we left one of the churches we left was because I was just angry. I was angry. There's some other situations that took place. I was just angry because I was reading all this stuff and we were doing some of this stuff and I didn't think we should be doing some of this stuff. And as an elder in the church, I had a voice to say, you know, I don't think we should be doing this stuff if we did it anyways. And because I was, I was outmanned, you know, I was outvoted or whatever. And I just was angry. 
And so I think from a personal level, what you have to make sure you don't do is you don't take this stuff in and internalize it to the point where you're angry because you shouldn't be angry, right? These are saints. These are other people that need Jesus. These are other people that may be somewhat deceived, but you shouldn't internalize it and just be angry, right? And And that's where I was. I didn't want to do that. So the fort reminds us that we have a valuable treasure we need to protect. Oh, the fort. And that's the word of God. It should be, and it sounds kind of interesting. It, sounds, it might sound kind of uh, like I'm inflating myself, but I have a responsibility to myself and to my family to protect the word of God. Right? I mean, that sounds kind of high and mighty, but I do have a responsibility that what I say, what I read, what I do, is a reflection of the Word of God. And, you know, and, and, and even, even speaking today, um, it, 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 uh, it makes me nervous because, you know, I'm presenting the Word of God. And that's a big deal. And I don't want to say something that, you know, I don't want to misrepresent the Scripture and send you down a bad path or anything like that. I take it very, very seriously because it is the Word of God. And, uh, and it needs to be handled that way. And sometimes I think that's why I get so disappointed sometimes is because it looks like the Word of God is just handled in a cavalier manner, right? It's just handled in a cavalier manner. There's no seriousness uh, about handling it. They'll, you know, I'll just, some pet peeves, like they'll take things out of context. That just drives me crazy because it's misrepresenting what God's intent was for that particular passage. So, the spirit of the Antichrist, I'll leave you with this one thought. The spirit of the Antichrist can be stopped by each one of us taking ownership of how we handle the word, who we let inside of our house, who we don't let inside of our house. And our house is our mind. Our house is our mind. Who do we let in? Right? Who do we let in? Who do we allow to live with us? What kind of thoughts? What kind of doctrines? What kind of things? Who do we allow inside? Right? Because your goal, your goal should be to understand what the Word of God says, what the intent was, how it was said, where it was said, why it was said. All right? And then apply that to your life. I'm going to close in prayer, Could the, and we're going to have an opportunity for prayer after the service. If the prayer team would like to come forward, those on the prayer team would like to come forward, I'm going to close in prayer, and Kelly's going to play a little bit. And this is a great opportunity, great opportunity if you have any burdens that you're carrying, right? Any burdens that you might have that you're carrying in your heart, or any physical problems, any burdens in your heart. There are all kinds of different things. You know, our God is a great God. Our God is a God that answers prayer. Our God is a God that goes before us. I mean, he just can go through all these different promises for us. Our God is there all the time. So I'm going to close in prayer. Dear Jesus, we're thankful, Lord. We are thankful that you've given us so much. You've given us your word, which is a treasure beyond compare. It's a treasure beyond measure. And you've given it to us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go forward today, that we, we, personally, personally, Take stock. And if there's some trimming that needs to be done, we trim, Lord. And we just get back to the pure, 
word of Jesus Christ, the pure word of the gospels, the pure word of the epistles and the letters. We're thankful for what you do. We're thankful for the fact that our Panama team had such a great trip in, in Panama, great missions trip. Souls were saved, Lord, because of the people that went down there, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you now. We ask you to bless the rest of our day. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.